Hello, and welcome to Bird of the Week. It's a podcast about birds, released on a non-weekly basis. Episode 52, Bird of the Century. So when I was writing the Christmas special, I mentioned that Bird of the Week isn't really agile enough to respond to big birding news. As an example of the news I vehemently ignore, I mentioned the recent Bird of the Century competition. But then I thought to myself, hey, I can totally jump on that bandwagon. It doesn't matter that the wagon has left town and can't even be seen anymore. I am jumping on it. Um, don't ask me how that metaphor works. I'm not about doing hot takes. Hot takes are about making snap judgments to inflame emotions. We're not about that on Bird of the Week. We're about stone-cold takes, waiting for society to move on before I trail in raking over the coals to offer an opinion when there's no one left to care. So join me today as we look over the Bird of the Century competition, meet its winner, the Pooh-Tecky-Tecky, and weigh in on John Oliver's dramatic influence. Some people might call it interference. Bird of the Week. So I guess our first question should be, what is the Bird of the Century? I mean, I know... Here we're all about Bird of the Week, or at least our mailing list is, which is a legit Bird a Week. And if you'd like to get on the mailing list, ooh, listen for the end to find out more. But Bird of a Century is taking things to a whole new level. That's 5,200 times more potent than your weekly Bird special. Which, sad realisation, I will never make it to Bird 5,200. I wonder how many weeks I could get to. Maybe 2,000? If I do it until I die? That's a bleak thought. Whoops, really veered into the existential dread there, but back to the show. Anyway, the bird of the century. Who even has the authority to name a bird for the century? Also, is it just me, or does 2023 seem like a strange year to declare the winner? Feels like we're 23 years late to the party. Or 77 years early, depending on how you count. Well, first up, the competition was limited to the birds of... New Zealand. So really, it's the New Zealand bird of the century. And I mean, New Zealand has some real crackers. Kiwi, Kia, Kakapo, strong contenders, the old KKK. Whoa, that is not okay. The competition is run by an organisation called Forest and Bird. They're a New Zealand conservation organisation working across a whole swathe of areas from restoring ecosystems, protecting rivers, lobbying for clean energy, removing plastic from the environment, and yes, working on bird conservation. Forest and bird has been around for decades, about 10 of them actually, hence why this year they decided to run a bird of the century competition to celebrate the milestone. It's a little switch up from what they do each year, which is the New Zealand bird of the year competition. This being their centennial year, they decided, hey, why not have this one be our bird of the century? Sounds like fun, and I'm all in favor of fun. The Bird of the Year competition has been run since 2005, and this is the 19th edition. I've actually been voting in the comp since 2018, because who doesn't want a say in deciding the New Zealand Bird of the Year? It's a competition that hasn't been afraid to court controversy. I remember back in 2021, when the short-eared bat was put up as a candidate. Can you believe them putting up a bat, a dirty old bat, in a Bird of the Year competition? Outrageous. Even more outrageous when the flying rodent won. Woo-hoo-wee, let me tell you, I did not like that. That ain't no bird, little winged mammal bird wannabe, as far as I'm concerned. 
Also, interesting to note that over the 19-year history of the competition, the only bird to have won it more than once is the kakapo, with wins in 2008 and 2020. This led to a second controversy in 2022 when the kakapo, as the only two-time winner, was barred from running. Which, I think again, really goes to show how diverse and amazing the birds of New Zealand are. You can run it for nearly 20 years and only get one bird as a repeat winner. I know I've been saying it for a while, but one day I will do a whole New Zealand episode. Probably, like, if I can get around to it. The competition is run as an election, with the rules changing a little each year, but the way it normally happens is a short list of around 70 or so birds are pre-selected, and the public are invited to vote for their favourite. At the end, the bird with the most votes is declared the winner. You know, standard voting sort of competition. This year, a preferential voting system was used. People selected their top five birds in preferred order, and then the instant runoff method was used to tally up a winner. People who know me well also know that I am a super nerd when it comes to different voting systems, but I will spare you my opinions. This isn't electoral system of the week. Idea for future show, though. Only to say that for a competition like this, the instant runoff is a pretty good method. Now, the main purpose of the competition, aside from glory for the winner, is to be a light-hearted way to raise the profile of New Zealand's threatened birds and raise some money for their protection. Like I said, it's a bit of fun. But anyway, we need to get on to the big winner from this year's competition. The bird of the century, not just one year, a whole hundred of them. And that winner was the Pootekiteki. Crazy name. Nailed the pronunciation, by the way. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've never heard of no bird called the Pootekiteki before. Well, that is the Maori name for the Great Crested Grebe. New Zealanders go to some effort to refer to their native birds using their original indigenous names. Standard Bird of the Week editorial practice is to use the bird's official name, but you know what? Pootekiteki is just so much fun to say, I'm going to keep using it. Just know that it's a type of grebe. Ah, grebes. These are some of the kookiest birds out there. They are way out there on their own when it comes to the avian family tree. There are 20 species of grebe that can be found all over the world. Their nearest living relative is the flamingo, which seems rather surprising. We got a stalky looking pink wading bird and a duck-like diving bird. On the surface, it doesn't seem like the two have all that much in common, but it shows that they broke away from the main lineage of birds a really long time ago. So what can we say? about the Pootekiteki? Well first, they're distinctive, about the size of a duck. They've got chestnut coloured wings, a long slender neck, sharp pointy black beaks and bright red eyes. As their official name suggests, the crested grebe also has some fancy headwear. They've got a pair of black crests above each eyes, as well as some mutton chop type frills hanging from the bottom of their cheeks. Grebes are especially evolved to live life on water. In fact, they rarely come onto land, in part because walking is a real struggle for these guys. To help them become powerful swimmers, their feet are set far back on their body. While this provides them greater thrust when swimming, it makes it nearly impossible for them to stand upright on land. They have a tendency to be a bit top-heavy, so end up flopping on their bellies and dragging them about on the ground. It's really ungraceful. As a result, Pretty much the only time they leave the water is to sit on their nests, or when they're flying to a different body of water. Speaking of nests, theirs is a floating kind of barge made out of water weeds and 
usually moored to a reed or branch in the water. As you might have guessed, the Puteki-teki is incredibly reliant on its lake homes. Their main food source is fish, which they chase under the water, using their powerful rear-set flippers to propel them about. And yet, like other water birds, they don't have webbed toes. Instead of a flap of skin that connects the toes, each one is separately finned with a kind of stiff, horny flap. The technical term for this is lobed webbing. Also get this, grebes don't have tail feathers. At least, nothing prominent, they've just got a bare butt. Now, you might be thinking that would make them less agile flyers, but grebes have a workaround. When they're in flight, they let their feet trail behind them, and their large lobed toes function as a kind of makeshift tail. So their feet are multi-purpose tools, serving as a propeller and rudder in the water, and a tail in the sky. As far as feet go, they're pretty amazing, you know, except for the fact that they are basically rubbish at walking, which is, you know, usually the main thing feet do. Evolution! Turning things into other things for like a billion years. Moving on, maybe the most famous thing about the Grebe is their mating ritual. It's a kind of synchronised water ballet. The dance has a few steps. A pair of Grebes will approach each other and engage in a series of mirrored head flicks, if all goes well. They will then dive to the bottom of their lake and bring up a clump of weed. Holding it in their beak, they will then launch their bodies out to the water, do a chest pump, and then do a sort of tap dance on the surface of the water. It's a strange display that is hard to describe, so I've included a link to a video in the description. The Poo Teki Teki Chick is also really cute. They're a kind of little fluffy zebra. They have prominent black and white stripes. Honestly, they look a little like a duck-footed baby emu. One of the most adorable habits of the Poo Teki Teki is that they ferry their babies about on their backs. While riding atop their water taxi, their parents do another curious thing. They pluck out some feathers and feed them to their babies. And I mean, the parents also regularly partake of their own feathers as well. It's taking the whole trichophagia to a whole new level. Trichophagia, of course, being the eating of hair. And of course, like that's common knowledge. Now, eating feathers may sound a little strange. After all, they have notoriously little nutritional value. But they seem to play an important role in digestion. So for example, have you ever chowed down on a nice piece of fish when all of a sudden you get stabbed by a tiny bone? It's a legit hazard. Well, the same thing can happen to our pesky pescatarian friends. The last thing they want is a fish bone or shell husk poking them in the gut. So to avoid this, grebes have evolved to eat their own feathers as a way to deliberately gum up their digestive tract. The ingested feathers form a bit of a ball that clogs the works, slowing the digestive process down. This gives them more time for the digestive juices to do their work and liquefy the harder, bonier bits and pieces so they don't get all stabby-stabby. After the feathers have served their purpose, the grebe will regurgitate them as a pellet, similar to how owls toss up the indigestible bones and fur of their prey. Or like a cat does with a hairball. It's like the avian version of a hairball. Featherball. A little bit gross, but hey, I don't want to get a fishbone stuck in my guts. Anyway, I think we've got a fairly good grasp on what these birds are about. They're a bunch of tailless, diving, feather-eating, water-ballet-dancing birds. But how are they faring in the world? Well, despite their status as New Zealand's bird of the century, they are not unique to New Zealand. You can actually find a great crested grebe on bodies of fresh water from Australia to Africa, Europe, India, and parts 
of Central Asia. But although they have a wide global distribution, in Australia and New Zealand their populations are threatened. Going back to the 1980s they were in real trouble. At one point it was estimated that there was only about 200 left in New Zealand. Introduced feral predatory mammals had a big negative impact, and it's always the nasty stoat getting up to trouble in New Zealand. And then there is the issue of environmental impact, with the loss of lake shoreline habitat being disturbed by such things as hydropower schemes. But since the 1980s, conservation efforts have helped the Putekiteki recover to a population of around a thousand. You know, still not great, but at least the number is heading in the right direction. And that brings us to why Forest and Bird included the Putekiteki on the shortlist of candidates for the Bird of the Century competition. It was a chance to draw attention to New Zealand's native birds and the effort needed to conserve them. The Putekiteki was one of 75 on the shortlist, and honestly, the organisers rated them as a real underdog to take home the prize. I mean, come on, how is a grebe found throughout the world going to compete with such famous poster birds as the Triple K Combo, Kiwi, Kia, Kakapo. Even a lesser-known bird like the Takahei had a better odds as a uniquely New Zealand and endangered bird. But then along came John Oliver of Last Week Tonight fame. He dedicated an episode to putting forward a pitch for the Poo Teki Teki, bringing the bird to the world's attention. And in typical John Oliver fashion, he went all in, coming up with what he himself described as an alarmingly aggressive campaign. He put up billboards in India, France, England, and one inexplicably located in Manitowic, Wisconsin. It was the only billboard to go up in the United States. Why he chose Manitowic? No one is quite sure, but there was also a plane with a banner flown over Brazilian beaches, not to mention the giant puppet of a Puteki-Teki that he had custom-made. And then he appeared on Jimmy Fallon, also wearing a custom-designed Putekiteki costume. And look, John Oliver is a funny guy, and I don't know if you've noticed, but the Putekiteki has got a lot of weird stuff going on that makes it the perfect candidate for humour. I mean, listen to that name, Putekiteki. The joke's already written for you. Not only that, but it eats and throws up its own feathers, gives each other weed, literal weed, as part of their mating ritual, and it lets its babies float around on its back, which is super adorable. What's not to love? And look, some of the other campaign managers for the other birds had various responses. The lady representing the kiwi said that John Oliver didn't even like birds and that it was just the butt of a joke for him. But others took the challenge to Oliver, and there were competing billboards that went up which took a couple of humorous pot shots at him and his campaign. And Oliver was a pretty good sport about it all. But then it's easy to be a good sport when you win, because his pitch worked in a big way. Normally, the Bird of the Year competition attracts 50,000 or so votes. Thanks to John Oliver's involvement, there was more than 350,000. Would you like to know how the final vote shook out? Well, let me give you a top 10 breakdown. In 10th place, the Takahei won 6,292 votes. We'll actually be meeting these guys in our next episode. They're a type of giant flightless rail. In 9th place was the Tui on 6,457 votes. They're a really cool honey eater with a little white pom-pom on their chest. In eighth place, the Huea, on 6,467 votes. You've probably never heard of these ones. They're a really fascinating extinct New Zealand bird, where the male and female have different shaped beaks. Very unusual in the bird world. 
Then the Black Robin came in seventh with 6,753 votes. Then the Eastern Rockhopper Penguin came in sixth with 6,763 votes. A species of fantail made it into fifth with 7,857 votes. Then our famous two-time former Bird of the Year winner, the Kakapo, came in fourth on 10,889 votes. And so now we're getting into the heavy hitters. The Kia, the world's only alpine parrot and mischievous darling of the New Zealand ski fields, was third with 12,000 votes. And of course, the Kiwi, the very emblem of New Zealand itself, was second with 12,900 votes. That just leaves the Poo Teki Teki. And the Poo Teki Teki won all right, but it won with 20 times more votes than the Kiwi got. Hell, it got nearly four times more votes than the rest of the top 10 put together. The Poo Teki Teki garnered 290,374 votes, more than 80% of all total votes cast in the competition. So, did John Oliver have an influence on the competition? You better believe he had an influence. Now, some people may call foul, pun intended. After all, what business does John Oliver have sticking his oversized nose into the competition to sway the vote for an underdog? As Oliver said, it is a proud US tradition meddling in foreign elections. But really, there are no stakes in the Bird of the Century competition. It's designed to be a bit of fun. And Oliver's pitch was certainly that. But more than that, the competition's true purpose is to create awareness for the birds. And he did that too, because beyond the votes, the attention he brought to the competition helped to raise $600,000 to go towards forest and birds conservation efforts. So who could possibly be upset about that? I mean, this is obviously amazing news, not just for the Poo Teki Teki, but for all of New Zealand's bird conservation efforts. So I love it. But here's a slightly different take on things. For me, I think John Oliver's involvement in the Bird of the Century competition goes to a different question. What does it take to get people to care about something? In the modern world, we are surrounded by endless entertainment, endless distraction, a cavalcade of bright lights, hot takes, comedy and outrage, all vying for our attention. To grab that attention, to pull it away for a moment and say, Look at this important issue over here. We have some birds that could use a helping hand. What does it take? Does it take a spectacle? Does it take a man wearing a bird suit on late night TV with a puppet to make us pause our scrolling and give our attention? Maybe it does. I am a big John Green fan, and he once said that our most precious resource is our attention. Today, we live our lives surrounded by algorithms and programs designed to grab and hold our attention, mostly to sell us something. More and more, we are outsourcing where we place our attention to the apps and devices we carry in our pockets, trusting them to entertain us, to inform and educate us. But never forget, your attention is the most valuable thing you possess, because everyone wants a piece of it. So be mindful about where you turn it. Don't sway in the wind like the reeds, turning only where the algorithm blows. Because there are important things out there. There are birds, and they're really cool. But it doesn't have to be birds. It can be anything. Just make sure it's something you value, something beyond the constant churn of disposable content. Because where you place your attention will inevitably become what you care about.
So make sure you're an active player in that. Now, that is a bit of a philosophical close, but I hope you enjoyed our look at the Poo Teki Teki and the Bird of the Century competition, and thank you for lending me some of your precious attention. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you'll be willing to lend me a little more next time when we finally get around to the episode I promised quite some time ago as we look at the Takahe and a couple of other birds that were once thought to be extinct until they made a miraculous return. Lazarus birds next time. But if you want some more bird action, I've got some good news. Our bonus podcast called What's Up With That Bird's Name has just been released, and this week it is all about the great crested grebe. Just where does that word grebe come from? Well, for the low, low price of just $2 a month, you can find out all about it. All you have to do is swing on over to Patreon forward slash bird of the week or one word link in the description to find out more. And if you're feeling generous and like to make a bigger contribution, then you too can get a special thank you from me and the show. Just like my good friends, Jill Chalker, Jody Little, Debbie Ho, Darth Fuller, Ashley Scarper, and Richard Clark, the Minty Fresh. And if you'd like to receive a free bird in your inbox each week, you can drop me a line at weekly.bird at outlook.com. And I'll add you to the mailing list where you'll receive a new bird lovingly delivered to you for free each and every week. And I mean, hey... Who doesn't want more birds in their inbox? At any rate, thank you again for listening, and I hope you will tune in again soon. Until then, this has been Bird of the Week. I mean, can you listen to that name, Poo Teki Teki? Incredible. It's like a little disco ball for the mouth. Love it.